Warning, this podcast may contain strong language. Enjoy the show. Film Fight, a podcast where we compare two movies with similar plots or stories and figure out which one is better. I'm your co-host, Zach Bassetta. This is my uh, other co-host, Amber Hollinger. Hey, Zach. How are you? How's it going? Good. I never want to take, you know, authority over saying your name. What? That's so weird. You, you say it so much better than I do. I don't. I don't think so. No? It rolls off your tongue. You're right. I, I, I'm sorry. Amber Hollinger. Thank you. Oh, my ears. <laughs> and with us again, Jim and Steve. I think I'll, I'll start saying their last names as well. Jim Pistano. I know it now. And Steve Walter. He's got an easy one. That's what she said. No. Oh. Hey, like Amber Hollinger, Jim Pistano, Zach Pistano, Steve Walter. Yeah. Okay. I got it now. Everybody's name is clear. They right. sound so good together, too. All those okay, names. Yes. Definitely. Nobody has a jackass name. Thank you. Not like one of the people we're going to be talking about, like our director of this first movie. Yeah. Had to look up the pronunciation. Well, oh, that's interesting that you had never heard of that guy. Well, we might as well say what we're going to talk about. Absolutely. What's our marquee matchup, Zach? Robocop versus Robocop, which sound, sounds like an awesome movie on its own, I will say. But these are actually two separate films. Well, <laughs> one is a remake of the original, obviously, but yeah. yeah, this is our remake edition, but oh my gosh, we should write a script, Robocop versus Robocop. It would be like King Kong versus Godzilla, except yeah. it would be like Godzilla versus Godzilla. Well, there was a, a Super Nintendo game called Robocop versus Terminator. Oh my gosh, who won? I never finished it. It was a pretty shitty game. Oh, yeah. Check before you get in here. <laughs> well, we're not here to talk about video games. We're going oh, to talk about <laughs> cinematic masterpieces and their remakes. I remember when, when we said last week that we were doing these two that, and I'm not sure why, after watching both of them, why I felt like I would like RoboCop 2014 more. No. No spoilers. Yeah, right. Let's take the 1987 version was the first one that came out. And man, this made a huge impact. It was kind of the first of this genre that exploded onto the scene. A bit of a sleeper hit. But it was directed by Paul Verhoeven. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me you never heard of Paul Verhoeven? It's yeah, Verhoeven, yeah. yeah. Only because he's more of an 80s guy. I mean, like he's still making movies, but the stuff worth watching is a bit older, did in my opinion. About, did you know about him, but just know how to pronounce his name because <laughs> that would be very clear because that's hard no idea how to pronounce his name Alverhoven is, is responsible for some of the grossest things on camera that i've ever seen probably yeah without the nuance of a cronenberg yeah, yeah that's true yeah, yeah. right nuance verhoven verhoven the original robocop was directed mm-hmm. by paul verhoven it was his eighth <laughs> <laughs> is my safe no, that's perfect. Okay. That's perfect. Yeah. I would just say the name over and over again. You pick the best edit of it. Imagine yourself as the Dutch Swedish chef. Is this any Dutch or is he dated? Uh, I'm not sure what Verhoeven is. I'm more like the beaker. <laughs> 
Well, but he, again, 80s guy, he also yeah. did Total Recall, Basic Instinct. I mean, I know that's 90s, but Starship Troopers. So he's got some good stuff out there other than just RoboCop. He you also did Showgirls and Hollow Man, so no one's perfect. What <laughs> I thought was interesting is you made a note, Hollow Man was the worst movie of all time. And I challenge you, Showgirls versus Hollow Man? Is Showgirls uh, not worse than Hollow Man? Does Showgirls have Kevin Bacon's penis in it? Oh, like, that would elevate it. Plus two. Oh, plus oh, okay. <laughs> well, not everyone <laughs> has the same Kevin Bacon in it. Remember, <laughs> it does. I remember uh, there was some kind of ensemble cast movie when I was a kid where I saw Huey Lewis's penis and I thought I had lost my mind. Like what? There's a video of Huey Lewis's penis out there and I haven't seen it. It's in a movie. I have to oh. look this up. Stand by. Googling now. <laughs> Robocop writers Robocop Edward Numir he's written Starship Troopers and a bunch of the Robocop sequels Michael Miner he's also written a bunch of Robocop sequels a Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace now what uh, I found it, I didn't know that the writers for the, this film Robocop came up with it while working on Blade Runner that's kind huh. of fascinating and that so they had this idea, wrote it, and somehow got it sold, obviously. That makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah. Sci-fi, inspiring sci-fi. But we just don't get a lot of original new properties. So like the idea of someone just having this kind of cool sci-fi idea and getting it out there and made kind of fascinating. That's true. <laughs> this day and age, we don't usually get a lot of originality. Yeah, it didn't come from a comic book or a novel. It was something like out of the blue, Which is, I guess. I, I thought it was from a comic book, but I guess the com there's a famous Frank Miller RoboCop comic, which obviously came later. Oh yeah, my gosh, we should do RoboCop the animated series. I'm on. I'm on board. Peter Will is not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this RoboCop released in 1987. It stars Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Miguel Ferrer, Kurtwood Smith, and Ronnie Cox, which, Steve, you claim that your dad went to yes. high school with Ronnie Cox? No. Turns out that's not true. He did not go to high school with Ronnie Cox. But when my dad was performing in a band in Houston, while Ronnie Cox was filming a movie there in Houston, he used to come out every night and hear my dad sing for the entire month and a half that he was filming and he calls you know my dad chris walter but his name is clark but he still knew him <laughs> that's all that counts and they were friends for a month and a half growing up he told me that i don't know i for some reason thought they went to high school together but they didn't yeah because you could fact check that but i'm obsessed with ronnie cox and he was deliverance just ruled the 80s with great character part i mean in beverly hills cop he's the police chief with the 48 hours stereotypical angry police chief he was white this time but he nailed it oh he did a great job both of those movies he did a really good job hey jim can you tell us robocop synopsis as found on imdb I sure can. In a dystopic and crime-written Detroit and terminally wounded cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. The film was conceived by Neumeyer while working in the art department of the set of Blade Runner in 1982, which Zach just mentioned. He developed the idea further with Miner and their script was purchased in early 1985 by producer John Davidson on behalf of Orion Pictures and finding a director was proving to be difficult. Uh, Verhoeven dismissed the script twice 
because he didn't understand it. It's satirical content until his wife explained it to him, which I could see. I mean, there is a lot of satire in this. And if you're not from America has a lot of satire type stuff that sometimes it's hard to catch. And it's like, what is this? Yeah, all that. I'll buy that for a dollar. All that game show stuff. And I remember I saw this movie in the theaters as a kid and I was disturbed by it, but also found myself really liking it. Same. I watched it on VHS. I wasn't old enough to see it in the theater, but I had a similar reaction. Ouch. <laughs> I was only two. I snuck into the, I was a super cool two-year-old. Sure. And snuck well, into the theater. The yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we went right in. Like We snuck in the back. Back in the days, you could sneak into movie theaters if you were smart. Wait, well, I thought it really interesting that one of the things that makes this original Robocop so good is its handling of satire. So it's funny that the director didn't quite understand it. His learning curve was lightning because he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then, it is interesting in comparison just like the satirical touches are even a little more obvious. I so mean, I was I was actually 14 when it came out because it was rated R, right? The, the original yeah. one was rated yeah. R. It was rated R. It was the scene where he gets executed. Oh my God. It was way too much for a 14 year old. Savage. After that, it became quite good. I mean, it was still, that part was, yeah, pretty gross, but we found ourselves really liking RoboCop 1987 version. And then we're going to talk about the sequel stats for a minute, the one that came out in 2014. Remake. Remake <laughs> right. edition, RoboCop remake. That one was rated PG-13. And you can tell the difference in tone right away. One of the things that kind of set original RoboCop apart was the level of violence. And they couldn't quite achieve that with a PG-13 rating. Zach, tell us who directed RoboCop 2014. Jose Padilla was his third feature after making two Brazilian action dramas, The Elite Squad and The Elite Squad 2, which is fascinating because you can see in sort of the end product, and we'll get to that later. I mean, they got what they wanted <laughs> based on The Elite Squad and everything. Uh, it came out in February of 2014. The writers were Joshua Zatumer. It's not a Zatuma. <laughs> <laughs> not a Zatuma. <laughs> Zetimer. Uh, it was his first feature. He also wrote Patriot's Day in 2016, and that's oh. it. Of course, Newmeyer, Edward Newmeyer, and Michael Miner are credited for characters. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that like, the remake is written by someone who had never written anything and hasn't written anything, well, one other thing since. So the two other writers for that have written several of the Robocop sequels, and it seems like they're a writing team. They also work together on Starship Troopers and the other Robocop sequels, so they seem to work hand-in-hand -hand very well together. And not to mention they both worked on Mortal Kombat 2 and Anaconda the Hunt for Blood Orchid. Wow. Classic. I think they were just credited for characters. I don't think they actually wrote any of the RoboCop 2014 script, right? Or did they? I'm they were uh, they were listed under writing credit. Oh, jeez. Yeah, because I, I know they wrote like all the spinoff stuff and the sequels, and I wasn't entirely sure if they had actually written any of the script. Oh, uh, that would... You, I, you know, maybe they had started to do something and they, you know, since they still own the rights or whatever, they had to get credited. But you could mm -hmm. tell it had such a different tone. And, Absolutely. Oh, that, man, would make, I, that would make a lot more sense if they were just credited for character. Yeah. I'm because, just checking really quickly. He, they're, they're credited as actual screenwriters for the for the remake well, no i'm disappointed for whatever, that <laughs> for whatever that means yeah that's what i saw too so i wanted to make sure because that's a big i don't want to give uh credit if <laughs> if they weren't responsible for this 
I mean, like when I was looking, it seemed like they wrote both of the sequels. There was a couple of uh, TV shows. Looks like they were involved with those. Even some of the games, I think. I don't know. They were pretty involved. You know, I was surprised with the, the 2014. I didn't know what to expect. But when I saw the cast, I was excited. Gary Oldman and Mike Keaton and Samuel Jackson leading it off. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Well, even you know, Joel Kinnaman was uh, in that killing show I really liked. Yeah, I, I really like him a lot. Yeah, he was in uh, Suicide Squad as well. He, it feels to me like they're trying to press him a little bit, but uh, I haven't seen the show you guys just talked about. Maybe he's good in that, but he just came across to me as more robotic than a robot. I mean, I, I didn't find myself liking his character. That is we are going to have a really good conversation about this because I feel the exact opposite. You're in love with him? Okay. I love cool. him. Yeah, I'm, but what you just said, I feel, I and I think, I think I kind of feel the opposite of all you guys with this movie, which is kind of interesting. Well, I it's interesting that you're wrong, or it's, it's interesting, interesting that, that you feel I like... I can't believe you guys don't see it. <laughs> let's start off with the fact that... Well, I think we stopped it, yeah. Let's... You completely glossed over Abby Cornish, and I think this is just a leftover residual feeling from all of the 80s movies that we watched that didn't miss women. But Abby Cornish had a very healthy role in the remake of Robocop, so I'd like to give her credit. This is true. You're right. She absolutely, of the, all the movies that we have done for this podcast, she is the first female that actually had a soul and a purpose. Now, and, was it well written? That's no. another conversation. Is she's got to be, she's, I felt like she was fighting an accent. I don't, I don't know anything about Abby Cornish, but is she from some other place? Like Mars or another country? I don't know. I guess you would have to look that up, that up really quick if you wanted to know that. I don't know. I didn't deep dive on Abby. If you have specific questions like this, Steve, please submit them in advance so we can. <laughs> yeah, she's Australian. I knew it because I, ah. I that it, she was fighting an accent. Like Your it's unfortunate that, that took you, you out of it. Yeah, I mean it's okay if somebody has an Australian accent, or even if they're trying to do an American accent, but. If they don't have it 100%, it kind of messes up everything. Well, I, I have stuff to say about her as well. Steve, you thought you watched a third remake of this? You oh, know? yeah, it's called Robococ. It is a completely oh. different... And all the actresses in that were outstanding. <laughs> 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 I couldn't tell you what their names were, but I can tell you that they were all very uh, enthusiastic. What Did the, the accents throw you off with those two? There wasn't a whole lot of talking. <laughs> I sort of skimmed through it. There was just a high, there were some high points that I wa that I watched. And I took a nap and then I watched a little more. I, took another <laughs> nap. I mean, you know how it is. I really want to see this. It's got 18,000 views. You'll be happy when to. Was when was it made? We have a. Uh, this one was made in 2014. <gasps> the same yeah. year? So Robocock came yeah. out the same year as Robocop 2014. Is that a coincidence? But it's, so. it's from Hungary. So I don't know if they use the same calendar as we do. No, it's because she was <laughs> cock hungry. Huh. Well, before we do like really, really jump into these guys, I just have to put out a general disclaimer because we want to be fair. It remakes all remakes start out as a disadvantage, right? If you're trying to recreate something that was really popular or successful, there's a few exceptions. What are you going to do to put your own spin on it so that you're still respectful to the original property, but you do enough to change it to make it your own? People are going to be upset either way. If you didn't do exactly everything the same way the original did, they're going to be upset with that. And then if you change it too much, they're going to be upset because they went in expecting to see the old film. So they are at a disadvantage going in. However, I didn't 
didn't hate this film, the remake, as much as I thought I would. I watched the remake first and was like, huh. What made you watch it first? I hadn't watched the original Robocop since the 80s. So okay, but you had seen it, okay. Oh, I'd seen it. So I had these memories of it in my head, but I thought if I'm going to come in fresh without seeing the other one, let me let me examine what this story feels like almost as looking at it with fresh eyes. But then when I watched the original RoboCop, well, we'll just get into it. There were just very, very big differences. I'm glad I watched them back to back. I'm glad I watched the remake first. Knowing Jim's take on them, I thought, well, maybe there's a different feeling if you watch the the remake fresh from having any other opinion of the original, but you still like the original better. I did. However, I know this franchise in particular with any man in my age group, they're very deep connected ties to RoboCop. I can't even casually mention RoboCop in a conversation without a really big reaction. Like, (gasps) visible. I don't don't love it that much. I mean, I like it a lot, but I mean, I'll be like, oh yeah, I like RoboCop as well. Most people had a very favorable response if I brought it up. Well, it does stand out in movies that, you know, because most of us were kids when it came out. It was one of those ones that did stand out because it was sci-fi and it was very gory. Stuff that young boys like. Absolutely. And the part that scared me in particular was where the guy in the office gets killed. I I had a visceral reaction to that. The opening scenes and stuff, I think it's very interesting just how both movies are set up and how the police office is presented. In the first one with the newscast, there's so cavalier about all of these things it seems like you're watching like a real newscast and you're yeah. like what what the fuck is wrong with these people yeah but then the samuel jackson one i love samuel jackson but then it's just like him yelling at you and it's just kind of this one subject like he's only talking about robotics it didn't work quite as well for me i was curious like what his angle was like i was like oh he's supposed to be like sean hannity or rush limbaugh is he that guy but he really wasn't he was just a shill for the corporation it felt like it yes my my interpretation of that was (laughs) the social commentary of how politics and media and government go hand in hand in having control over public opinion that we're kind of exactly right we'll let you know what we want you to know so it was very much political commentary Absolutely. And and I felt that, but it's like a show I wouldn't want to watch. And so I just wanted to change the channel. Well, what did you think, Jim? Well, the original one, I I agree. It felt more organic. Like you're watching a real news store. It's like, what is going on? And the commercials and all that kind of stuff. We'll get into those because advertising my favorite part of the movie of the 1987 version of those those commercials were great. The 2014 version, I, I feel the same way. I think it was just, it shows how government and corporation and you're trying to, you're trying to paint a picture for your audience of what you want them to think. You're not giving them all the information. You're giving them the information you want them to know. And to scare them. That's basically what it was. It's just, it's a scare tactic, which is a lot of when you watch news now, that's what it is. It's like, it seems like they're trying to scare you about everything. They're not giving you the full story, but they're trying to point you in some direction. Both movies tried to use news media in the beginning as a tone setter. Mm -hmm. I felt like maybe the original had a leg up in really giving us a clear idea of what world we were in. The mindset of the people in it, like Jim was talking about, those great commercials they threw in. Every chance they got, they let you know, this is the mindset of the people, this is the world, this is the climate. Yeah, like the the lead uh, anchor guy talks about the chance of nuclear war, almost with a smile on his face. And then they go to a commercial of a family board game about nuclear war. Yeah, (laughs) that was awesome. Nukem, right? Nukem, Nukem, yeah. 
Yeah, there's like a very cavalier attitude about human life. That was nailed in in the very beginning. We haven't met our main character yet. We're just getting an idea of the world we're in and Omnicorp and big government don't care about little people and are out for the almighty daughter. Da- daughter. <laughs> daughter. That was Robocock. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> I buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys, because Steve, you mentioned it briefly. When they're all sitting around in the boardroom and you're going to see this RoboCop prototype for the very first time. At the time, the CGI effects were not fantastic, but this still was pretty legit. You really believed this thing. The way This was top-notch stop motion. Again, that was part of my problem with this movie. It, oh, really? It is for that time. It was good, but I was watching going, okay, no, this is ridiculous. It looked like a Rankin-Bass Christmas it, special. You're watching it in 1987, it's top notch but you're watching it now you're like this is so knowing you know the time period that you were watching it they did all these wonderful little camera tricks where they give it a little bit of the camera shake every time you get the impact of that foot on the ground that you can see the terror in the boardroom space the way that they are reacting to the scale the size the danger is so palpable that this is terrifying and should be to people but when they accidentally shoot that guy that innocent guy that just stood up for a demonstration demonstration the fuck that was so awesome because the best part of that whole scene to me was as it's like please drop the gun and he's like you better drop it and then he drops it and the thing's like and it, it has a growl it's not just the, yeah. the servo sound it's like a growl that they intentionally put in there for the sound and as he's running back and forth his colleagues are like shoving him away, like, get away from me. Don't come over by me. And then he just gets eviscerated. It's not awesome. just that, like you see, they don't just shoot him. Like arms explode. Oh yeah. Oh no, he gets oh. eviscerated. Yeah. As opposed to, and this has to do with the PG-13 rating in the beginning and the tone setting scenes for the remake of the Robocop, you see that the city is already populated with many of these prototypes. And I didn't like that at all. It had a different, a different feeling because the public's very aware of these things. Things. They tried to give you that same emotional impact of killing what's face in the boardroom in the original by having this young boy go out to chase after his father and then he gets killed off screen. And even though they tried to up the stakes by killing a child, which is usually horrific, because you don't really see anything, you have the idea of it. It really, I don't know if it's just the way that it was shot, because a lot of times you don't have to see something on screen for it to be immensely impactful, just like a, a horror movie. The longer you you don't see the monster the more scared you are but in this case it did little to up the stakes like we are super afraid of what's going to happen to us because this technology hasn't been perfected yet and it was such a perfect way as this guy gets ripped to shred by bullets and afterwards everyone else in the boardroom was like no I'm saying that and that's my issue with the entire 87 version is everything is so campy and cheesy it's like something happens and the guy says oh I'm sure it's just a glitch it's like this guy's obliterated bleeding and, and everyone's like oh okay blah 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 let's go on that's just a glitch and that's the exactly beauty of that's it. the beauty of it I know, I know. Miguel Ferrer's just like this is our chance <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I like to take one moment to, to mention the sound of both the shows was excellent. I mean, even even in the 2014 version, every time that guy took a step in that suit, there was an effect. And from a, if anybody knows anything about sound editing, which is what I do for a living, that kind of thing is extremely difficult and time consuming to make work. 
Like you have to, you know, that sound has to be individually edited every time he made a step and it was like ka-chunk, ka-chunk and all that movement and all those gears and servos and stuff. So that part of it, I actually got into and the look of the suit was pretty good. It, it seemed like the sound design fit. Actually, both movies were, were, were actually done really well from a sound perspective. So, I mean, I don't understand. There was, I don't know, like heart. Is that what I'm missing in the in the in the 2014? Like yes. I didn't care yes. about Robocop. Again, exactly. that's where I differ with the two movies. What are you talking about, Jim? That's impossible. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me let me ask you this. Okay. So that part in 2014 Robocop, yeah. where he's like, let me see it. And Gary Oldham, you know, snaps uh, his fingers and now bits and pieces him start pulling apart. Uh, so and, and, and he's like, Oh Jesus. Oh God. Oh like why would he why would you do him? that? Why would you do that? And then now we're and supposed why to keep so- his stupid hand. Yeah, like that's a that was okay. So that's actually interesting because they talk about that in the trivia. Um oh. that that was a nod to the original because in the original, when they were yeah. building him or the 1987 version, they said, well, we can keep his, his right hand, and the guy goes, lose the hand. No, so no, no, this was, his whole arm in the original. Yeah. Oh, right, whole arm, yeah. yeah. So they kept, like, uh, BMX tubing for his, and they put a human hand on the end of it. I wasn't buying it, and it was just gross. Like, the, the sound of his breathing, you could see his, like, lungs. And Are you talking about the 87 version or 2014? No, the 2000, sorry, I switched back to the 2014. Okay. It, it just came across as unnecessarily gory, and, I, and supposed I to, like, make us feel something. And all I felt was, like, that was unnecessary. Like, you would just say, you don't want to see this, trust me. And he yeah. would have gone, all right. I saw this movie in the theater, and when I rewatched it for this, I was actually dreading rewatching that scene in particular. It's just <laughs> so ridiculous. Like you would never do that as a doctor. You would go show him. I <laughs> like, wanted to. He would go crazy. Well, let Jim right. let Jim have his rebuttal here because I find no. it really interesting that he has a different perspective. Well, you're you're talking about heart and humanism, and basically, I found none of that in '87 because in 2014 version, he had a family, he had a wife, he had a son. You saw that piece. You saw his family unit when he got shot. His wife had to make the decision to do all this stuff. So there was that connection. They were, they were, the family was always in the movie. So for me, it was like there was some heart and there's some feeling in there. In the 87 version, you never see the wife again. And you don't, you hear about her, but you don't, she moved away and, you know, he died and that's it. There was no humanness to him, you know, anymore. He was a robot and there was no more human. I agree. But I also kind of think that wasn't in, there was some of that in the original one. Man, I, I, it's yeah. interesting. I have so many arguments. No, I, I, I <laughs> Robocop 1987, he had a heart. I'll say the death or the attempted death of characters Murphy in both films. In the first one, all it's so brutal and you see all four of the bad guys. It's personal. You know, you know each of the guys that he needs to get revenge on. In the remake, it's a car bomb. It's just not as gross. Sure. Or as heartfelt. I mean, you know, you know those guys, they're laughing and they're cocking their shotguns and, you know, and, and, um, What's his taunting name? Taunting him. Yeah, yeah taunting him. Very, very yeah. personal. It's horrific. He dies brutally. His right. partner watches him die. So there's somebody that has to witness that carnage. Right. We get a close up on all the bad guys' faces so that we can attach a very personal feeling to that. The car bomb was done in a in a wide shot. Just blew up. You're thinking you're, in your mind, that should be upsetting to me, but it felt a little thinking. Is he even dead? Like, did he die there? Is that is that it? I was expecting something a little more grotesque. What I loved, if we're talking about that death scene, was the thoughtfulness about the political commentary all the way through in number one. 
we saw the bad guys, right? The bad guys gun him down and shred mm -hmm. him. And then later on towards the end of the movie, after he's already a Robocop, his own people in the police department turn against him. The good guys gun mm -hmm. him down in the same brutal way that the bad guys did. There could yeah. have been, without ever saying it, they were drawing that parallel that, hey, the good guys and the bad guys in this story are no different. Right. Mm. That's a good point. And I wanted to get Jim's opinion on, on this with the, the wife, because the thing that really took me out of it was the idea that they would give her the option and that she would go along with it to let her husband go into this procedure and everything. All that would have done to fix it for me is just they don't tell her. And then she finds out about it somehow. She, he's on TV and she recognizes him. Or during the investigation of his own murder. Picking that way of doing it, I could see it because she is the wife. She has to make the decision. It's one of those things where it's like, again, it almost humanizes it because she's making that decision to keep him alive, even though he's not really him. But it's still, in her mind, it's like, I'm keeping him alive because it's still going to be him, but it's really not. So that's what kind of gives it the more human feeling to me. And again, it's just how, it's just the different perceptions of it, which is very interesting. Because I For thought sure. that, you know, that to me was, the more human part of it. Well, for, yeah. I will say this in defense of Jim's point of view on that one, these new writers felt like they had to make different choices from the original. Well, they had to kind of put their own spin on it. So it's not a bad idea. the studio, perhaps. Some of us here on the podcast either have been married or are currently married. And that's a situation where you could imagine yourself being in. Usually you have these kind of conversations ahead of time of what would happen if you were on life support. Do you save a person? Do you not? And then you have, you're supposed to have this great love and affection that you would you want to do anything you could to save your partner. So that should have been a very relatable circumstance that, that builds empathy in there. I think maybe the idea wasn't bad. Perhaps it was just the execution of it. I'd like to say that if there's ever a chance for me to become a RoboCop, please do it. <laughs> Did you say That's I'm going to go ahead. RoboCop or RoboCop? Either is fine with me. I mean, I, I think that would be so cool. Like, I would love to be able to run and jump over walls in China and go through the rice paddies and, and that kind of thing. And in China, what? Yeah, why? Ch oh, China? right, because he gets sent to China to do his training. That's oh. where no, that's where he was created. Yes, right. That, 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 all that because when he wakes up and he's connected to that machine, and then he, it's like Frankenstein. I mean, come on, like Jim, seriously, it was like a Frankenstein. Like, yeah, you can walk. It's okay. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he he loses his mind, and then he goes and runs out of the factory into some other factory that, with a bunch okay. of Chinese people. Okay, and, let's, let's, and then let's jumps pull back. Over. Let's pull back for a second on the scientists themselves because the scientists in 1987 were ridiculous. <laughs> goofy yeah they were. they were having new year's parties and he's sitting there and they're like playing it's like are you kidding me right now with this it tastes they're, like it baby food so weird it was just like they're the scientists who created this you know billion dollar million dollar whatever he was robot and they're they're having a party right around him on new year's and messing with them that was hilarious i think it was kind of part of the, the point like they just nobody cares about anything in this about human life yeah nobody cares about human life in this movie okay. except and That's i, and I do think the impact of it yeah like, i think the humanity is really between uh murphy and lewis in the original and his struggle of identifying his humanity again when he gets Can, those memories back could we talk about just the differences between the opening of the police precincts in the films? Because I oh, find that very interesting too. So 
first of all, the first line, when you get to the police precinct, the police chief is talking to these two lawyers. And one of the lawyers says, attempted murder? It's not like he killed someone. <laughs> and I thought, what a great line. You know exactly what kind of world this is and what kind of environment they're in. And everything about the precinct is like, we're understaffed. Our cops are getting killed. Our guys don't even really want to be here. Everything seems like shit. And you see it in the city, in the, sh in the shots of the city, you know, like the convenience stores are being hit up all the time, which I know is very 80s, so I'm, oh, you know, have yeah. a soft spot for it. But then in the remake, it's kind of like the city seems fine. You know, it's not very dirty. Like they mentioned some crime, but again, you don't really see it. The other difference is Murphy is new in the original. And in, and in this one, he's been there for a while. So he, he seems like in the 1987, when like he's being introduced into this world, you know, it's like really fucked up. He doesn't know what to expect and he's trying to do a good job. And so it's kind of a fish out of water in a way as well. Does this make sense? <laughs> As a filmmaker slash storyteller, I always like when a writer chooses to use a character as means of exposition sharing for the audience. So when you have somebody like Murphy and you make the choice that he is new to the precinct, we are new to this world. We don't know how this precinct works. So when you bring in something, somebody like Murphy who's new, then you organically get all the introductions, the information you need. You are definitely seeing this movie through Murphy's point of view all the way through, like even during the operation. You are solely with him. Absolutely. Where mm -hmm. in the remake, and to your point, there's not a lot of crime in the remake because they've already deployed these. So they were they're praising that they're saying this is already working. It still has glitches, but look how clean the city is because we've implemented this mm -hmm. Robocop force. Mm -hmm. But then you get the point of view of scientists, Omnicorp bad guy, Abby Cornish's character, the wife. I can't remember her name in the movie. <laughs> It was uh, Abby Cornish, I think. And then <laughs> Mrs. Murphy? Yeah, Mrs. Murphy. <laughs> and then Murphy's point of view, and I think that's a little bit where I struggled with feeling attachment and empathy, is we didn't see it from primarily one person's point of view. And sure. that is that is the most important in any story that you tell. Yes, and the original was shot like an 80s action film, understandably. But the remake was sort of shot like a cop TV show I'd just watch on television. You know, it just seemed like kind of generic, kind of overly um, sanitized. I wonder what uh, it would have looked like if they got the R rating, how they, if they would have changed anything. The, or the basics, their... the, the plot points still were the same, you know? I thought that in the 2014 version that they were trying to get the RoboCops to enforce the law, but that they couldn't do it because there was some bill that said you couldn't have robots enforcing the oh, like it, yes. all that stuff was happening over in the Middle East, and they were trying to say, hey, we'll put a little bit of human in this one, like two lungs and a hand and potentially a testicle, but that's all. <laughs> that's what I thought was happening. Yeah. Am I wrong? That's part of the problem is that there were too many things going on. It was the Alex's personal struggle. The Dreyfus Act was going right. debated. The right. doctor's, uh, Gary Oldman's internal struggle, Alex's family life, the gun runner, Valen guy, the main bad guy he was trying to track down, and the corruption inside the police department. So it was just like all these things. It would have made a, a nice like Netflix series, not a two-hour movie. Well, no, let me ask Jim, when you were watching it, who did you feel the most empathy for? Was it the wife's character or did you feel for Murphy? 
Like who, I, felt for, who spoke I, felt to for, you? I felt for Murphy, but I kind of want to go back to that, how how they're building it up. Like the story in the 87 version, you mentioned, there's only one RoboCop. They're just starting this stuff. They're getting everything going. They're trying to start this corporation or this type of way of, of law enforcement, but it's not started yet. It's basically, they have a couple. And the new one, they already have them, but they can't convince the people to use them. So the whole part of that part of the movie is we have to show the people that they need these. So they're showing all these different types of things to get people to go, oh no, you're right, we do need them. And the law's like, no, you know, you the, the congressmen are going, no, no, we don't need this. And they're like, no, no, we do. Look at all this bad stuff going on. And they're trying to convince the people, you know, to make sure that they get this bill voted in. And I think that was part, I mean, to me, that makes it a little more realistic in this day and age, not as opposed to 87, but you kind of see stuff like that happening. It's like, every, they'll do whatever they can to try to get a bill passed or to get something passed. It's like, we want you to believe what we believe. So it's like, we're going to show you what we want you to see. So you'll agree with us. They're not going to show you the negative stuff, stuff where it's like you you don't get the nuances, the humanistic part of it when you're doing law enforcement. It's all cut and dry, which sounds good, but it doesn't always work that way. And that's why people had a problem with it. I like the idea in the, the 2004. Stop, stop, stop. Are we going to start again? So I tried while we were. <laughs> I, I like the fact that we always stop Steve because I really. Yeah, whatever I was about to say was going to be so stupid. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I remember the word cock in it. Okay, Steve, I think you were going to say something profound. What was it? Oh, I totally forgot. Um, what were we talking about? Um, it was talking about, well, we just talking about the the police force and the representation of having many out there and how they were using trying to manipulate public opinion. Yeah, and I think it's interesting just because the way that the an eighties action movie deals with it in the way that like a. 2014 movie deals with it is very different. Guess I prefer the action beat em up version. Yeah. Because, like, and the other stuff is there. It's just not that interesting to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. On. I think what took me out of the 87 version was just the campiness. And because it's an action movie. So I, I, I'm i in my, oh, it's an action movie. And all of a sudden it's like, it's this goofy and it's this and it's that. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting taken out of it a little bit. Are you into, like, do you, would you consider yourself a fan of 80s movies in general? Or do you not watch oh, yeah. a lot of the campiest stuff? So you do find camp stuff sometimes. I I do. I think it's the action genre that I have a sure. problem with it. You know what I mean? Sure. The, the campiness is 80s. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, basically, if you have an 80s movie, it's probably going to be pretty campy. You know, that's right, the way they right. do it. Because of all the goofiness with the scientists and even the bad, bad guys, the villains. I mean, at the end, when they get those guns that can kill Robocop and they're just like shooting random cars with the ammo. And it's just, what What are you doing? You're supposed to go up to this guy and like, oh, look how cool this is. And that's how bad fun. Detroit I mean, is. <laughs> look how bad fun. it's It's really fun. But when, he, when, when I I think action movie it was just too campy i think that's that was the best part he blew up the car and he goes oh, i like it wasn't that from one of the tv shows as well or did that the car, the car is the 600 sux which i oh, was 6000 yes. sux because it, it sucks love that yeah, yeah that was funny i wonder how different it would be because it was mentioned that verhoven for whatever reason didn't get satire or american satire if a director who had a better handle on it because i mean it's a it was a successful movie anyway but maybe it would stand up a little bit better today and i think that's what it is i don't think for me it stood the test of time as much like in the 80s I think it was great but when you look at it now i'm like uh just a little and when you're comparing it to like a remake of that movie that's maybe just more my style when you do like an action movie it's just more there's more seriousness 
but there's heart. And I felt like there was a lot more heart in 2014 than 1987. If I felt maybe there was heart in 80, the 87 version, maybe I would be a little more apt to be like, okay, yeah, they had that too. But to me, there was just so much blood and gore. That senior you talked about when he gets shot, it's emotional, but I'm taken away from it because it's so gory. It's almost like a shock factor. I can't feel sad for him because I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? He's getting blown Two, two girls in a cup. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> what didn't ew, ew, hold on it's at least better than that <laughs> <laughs> okay 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 hold on right. okay no, anyway you, the, you didn't at least here. like is, is, didn't you didn't get happy at the end as far as the gore and stuff like there was a part at the end when the one bad guy fell into the vat oh, uh, the awesome like radioactive awesome. waste and so then he okay, comes okay. out and his skin is melting and then he gets oh, obliterated by the car I get that it. was 100%. so that was like one of my most favorite parts of the movie. It's memorable. You, it's you memorable. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, Ugh. I mean, it was like, oh. as I was 14 years old and, and seeing that, I was so disturbed, but also like loving it because I loved feelings like, like I wanted Robocop to win. In the 2014 version, I didn't care if he lived or died. It just didn't have the same. And I wasn't going in there thinking that I was going to hate it. I actually remember you mentioning that you liked it, Jim. So I thought, oh, maybe it's cool. Maybe I just missed the boat on this one. And I really wanted to like it because I thought that the sets were nice. I thought the, sh the, the, the look of the film was pretty. The costumes and the sound, all of it worked. But the story to me, it just never, I never cared about RoboCop. I kind of cared about Gary Oldham's character, maybe a little bit. Like I thought like, oh, he's got some substance. And we never talked about Michael Keaton. Yeah. He was interesting. He was interesting. And he I mean, was I, kind of Ronnie Cox and Miguel Ferrer yeah. character combined. Yeah. Unless he seemed and, and threatening to me somehow. He wasn't. That's the thing. I think, and again, it's nowadays you have the CEOs like, oh, I'm not the bad guy. I'm not doing this stuff. But he's one pulling all the strings and doing everything. But the face of him is like, oh, no, it's not mine. It's, I'm not, I'm I'm all good. I'm he was significantly slimy. That was good. Yeah, even privately, I think he came off like he believed like, hey, this is for the greater good. And I'm, yeah. you know, going to make a lot of money. He didn't seem like, oh, <laughs> you know, this is my chance. <laughs> Uh, so I did like that. Yeah. I mean, I like Michael Keaton and um, Love Michael Keaton. I don't know what it was. I guess it was his performance or maybe it was the length of the film. Maybe there was a little too much, like the pacing was off. I couldn't really put my finger exactly how long. The runtime for 2014 remake is 117 minutes up against 102 minutes. So it's about, yeah. about 15 minutes apart. They're pretty close. I think the pacing was a little bit monotonous in the remake, and that mm -hmm. probably had a big hand in the effect on its audience. Although it wasn't poorly received. It wasn't bad, yeah. Mm -mm. At all. Yeah. I mean, there was a, it, well, I got a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes as opposed to a 90% on the, the original one, but there might be a lot of nostalgia tied to the original one. There, by the time a 2014 version came out, there were so many movies in this genre that were better already really hard to stand up and compete and stand out in that year oh you mean the remake the remake yeah yes, yes. so when people came back to it they were desensitized we've already seen but it's like it's kind of like similar to the ghostbusters remake i mean there's other issues as well but like the oh, biggest problem was that like if you're calling it robocop or ghostbusters you're also kind of implying a certain tone of that original and when you go so far 
I think people are upset because, not because of the movie on its own, they're just expecting something different. I actually liked the, the Ghostbusters remake. I oh, didn't did hate you really? It. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was funny. Fair enough. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the original and the sequel, but it, it definitely, yeah, like you said, it had a different tone. And maybe, I think you have to go in whenever somebody goes into a remake situation. I feel like you really, it's tough, but you have to put all your preconceived notions of the originals out of your mind as much as you can. And it's harder to do the more you feel for the original, like Star Wars. But there's still, I think if you're doing a remake, you should at least capture the spirit of the original. Oh, you, yeah, there you has to be that. some callbacks. There were some callbacks in this one too. There was a couple of lines like, I wouldn't buy that for a dollar that the guy said. Oh, and so he, shoehorned. Yeah, and then exactly. And then the other one was- Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the case then is so hard. You're at such a disadvantage. If you're going to remake something, you have to have a lot of the same elements. It's having a pre-sold audience, right? You already have a recognized brand out there. So you have a built-in audience and somebody's going to go see your movie. It would be a good challenge as a screenwriter to try to make an effective remake of something like- this have you seen dread oh that's the remake of the judge dread franchise yes. oh, is it good no. nails it it nails it really? like that's what i would have wanted more from a robocop remake oh i wonder if we should do dread versus dread edition I'm, I'm down they are very very different films that goes back to whenever we're saying you're damned if you do if you're damned if you don't if you make it too close then people are like it's just a copy and if you make it too far away and it's not very good they're like oh it's crappy because it's nothing like the original but if you can make an original that's really good that captures like like you said the tone the essence of the original is such so a difficult line. it's a it's a major accomplishment when the team remade psycho and you were like what? i was just gonna say that it is a shot for shot you're like like, uh, why, but still not as good somehow. Yeah, because it wasn't directed by uh, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock. Vince Vaughn from Swingers before, oh, you know, it, it was, was just like, ugh. It was so bizarre. It was the weirdest cast. Well, because Hitchcock wasn't on actual shooting set for the most part. He would make all his director notes in the script. And apparently that remake used the exact same script. So it was technically the same process under the way the original was made. Huh. Hitchcock boarded out his films exactly. shot for shot. He saw his movies before anyone else saw his movies. You could see what was working and not working. I don't understand filmmakers who don't storyboard out their own films, live action, animated. It doesn't really matter. It just this is the easiest way on the planet to see if your film is working or not. And that's why all of his films really fucking good. Yeah, knew what he was doing. And again, we don't know how much of the change or the tone was from the studio. Like, I think that's a big problem sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, we got this property. We want to do it. Uh, we're going to make it, you know, for modern audiences. And it just loses that that spirit of the original. Yeah, and like you said, too, I think I did read something, I think, in your notes that said something about the fact that they were going way over budget. So they had, they could, they didn't mm-hmm. want to do an R rating because R ratings mean you don't get as big of an audience. They want PG-13. So if you do do that, then you're right. Then it's like you're kind of making a little more vanilla version and it's, and it could, and it affects. That's what the product you get at the outcome of the movie. What could they have thrown in that would have not just been gratuitous? to give it the R rating. I mean, I, language wouldn't have made a difference really. It would have had to have been some subject- Can you just say fuck twice? I can say fuck as many times as I want, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get an R just for if you use fuck twice. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. Yeah, that, no, sounds, that sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. It it is <clears throat> How much boob, like side boob all the way up is like a PG-13, but once you show the nipple, you've officially moved into- 
Not when you're living in the 80s. PG-13 yeah. in the 80s, you saw That fake. is true. Um, yeah, wasn't, didn't Airplane, I think that was the first boobs I ever saw. Airplane. Beastmaster. PG. Oh! Frontal. What? That was Tawny Katane. Tawny Katane. Oh, yes. yeah. Nice. No, Tanya Roberts. Tanya Roberts, not Tanya. Tanya, Roberts. Tanya, Tanya yes. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Rest in peace, Tanya. She just passed away this last year. She, that's right. Rogue Beastmaster. Oh, can we do that one? <laughs> Rip Torn. Rip Torn, isn't that who's in that? Isn't he the bad guy? Ugh. All right, you horn dogs. I don't remember. We were talking about, you know, the spending, the going over budget and yeah. trying to reach a larger audience because you've gone over budget. Let's look at the budget of these two films. The original one was made for an estimated 13 million. The remake, an estimated 100 million dollars. All on the screen. Yikes. It's all up there. <sighs> Oh my God. We talked about it. The original got 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't know if that's accumulative or probably didn't even have Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score. The audience score. Critics and fans thought it was clever. They kind of liked it. Jimmy, (laughs) why don't you tell us? We've kind of been hearing about our opinions, but there are other people who have other opinions and we've found- This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast is when Jim reads these Metacritics. What did you find on Metacritic reviews? What did people say? Metacritic, not quite as outlandish as my Red Heat ones were, but (laughs) the Red Heat's gonna be, uh, that's my my goal now to beat a Red Heat Metacritic. That's your benchmark, right? Yeah, Red Heat. Okay, okay. I did grab these. There wasn't a lot of people that hated one of these movies or, you know what I mean? It wasn't like it was that bad but there are certain things that they talk about that i'm like hmm, okay and there's some stuff in this i kind of agree with which you know kind of makes me afraid a little bit let me do the first one this is 1987 version this is barney on mt and then he broke it up into what he liked what he didn't like and his verdict so it's very cut and clean <laughs> just like uh, your podcast outline <laughs> <laughs> And this was written in 2016. So it was written fairly recently as opposed to like when the movie came out. Uh, What I like, surprisingly intelligent, RoboCop's focus on character and American ideals make it stand out from the other 80s films. It's a truly original idea that just about works thanks to a brilliant score and some well-directed character moments. Throw in some great action and you've got yourself a fun film that you can really get into. I mean, I kind of agree with what he's saying. Yeah, the score was decent. Yeah. It had a, it had like a, that he says it's a truly original idea that just about works thanks to that score and you're like what yeah that's what made me think like the <laughs> score is what set it over the top yeah. okay yeah. and it was good yeah. i mean i get it like yeah. all right well what didn't he like uh, what he didn't like the odd bit of sloppy corporate writing and acting can bore and it's not subtle 80s film to put it lightly that was yeah it's not a very that's a poorly written sentence uh, which back then was perfect and you're watching that sloppy writing what he didn't like barney on mt uh yeah that sentence does not work for me what i didn't like about it was all of it (laughs) but he also he broke it down down and has a verdict what was his verdict his verdict is a surprisingly good and original film that actually stands the test of time for good reason. Which, again, his verdict really doesn't match up with yeah, him. Like no, I don't think it's he like, understands. He says these things, is. and his verdict is like, but I liked it, and I liked it for these reasons, for the reasons I didn't like it. <laughs> my, my question is, what is the MT that he's on? Yeah. Is it something? Well, marijuana yeah. train? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the second, I got another critic from 1987. And this one's from 2014. So this one came out surprisingly really close to when the actual movie came, the actual 2014 movie came out. Because this came out interesting uh february 2014 february 21st 2014 and um so this is his take on the 1987 version 
an astute sci-fi satire about corporate. Wait, read his name, Jim. Go Franz, for it. Franz, Franz, he, he critic. Franz no, Franz H. H critic. critic. Sorry, <laughs> H. critic, sorry. I thought it was Franz heretic. Yeah, I thought, so when I read it, I'm like, well, that's a scene out of need. We're all dyslexic, it's okay. Franz, with a Z, H. critic. An astute sci-fi satire about corporate and capitalistic greed, corruption, crime, dystopia, humanitarian, and it even dares to cross the border of adding totalitarian undertones to the social allegory of the film. Wait, wait, wait. There's like nothing but commas there, Jim. That's a, oh my God, that was that impossible. Was a, that was a mouthful. And it's, he uses a lot of really, like he sounds like he knows- I'm looking it. for a period. Where is it? Yeah. I think I breathe the period in. <laughs> oh, sorry, Jim. Sorry, please go continue. This is fascinating. No periods yet, guys. I'll let you know when it happens. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we haven't hit a period yet. So I'm going to start with like the social allegory of the film, comma, Robocop, quote, defies the archetype 80 sci-fi by making us realize our humanity and how it works and what it does for us. Period. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> predicted in this film actually occurred. To this day, the Detroit bankruptcy is the largest municipal bankruptcy filing in the U.S. history. And this film was spot on. Though it was merely a coincidence, Robocop... But though, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, 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 the sentence structure in this thing is amazing. He, he used good. a colon. He used a colon. Yeah. Though it was merely a coincidence. So basically saying that whole bankruptcy thing about Detroit being in there was just a coincidence. Yes, Robocop, Robocop can't tell the future. Yeah, no. What? You can't say that. It's a smart, ultra-violent, and perfectly satirical allegory to our American society and culture. <sighs> uh, he makes me like the movie less. <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't think I watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it was like uh, you know, uh, like history movies or something. I, don't know. I think you need like Steve's going to go on and just write a critical review about Franz's of that review. Critic review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't like about it was. Lack of punctuation and complete. What's the what's the word? I need a thesaurus. What is it like when you're too snooty for somebody? Highfalutin. Yes, highfalutin. Highfalutin. There's lots of highfalutin. Too many commas. Yeah. And uh, I don't like words that are more than more than four syllables. Too much. So. It's all right. Well, he's entitled to his very snooty opinion. Highfalutin. (laughs) Highfalutin. Well, then let's see on the remake 2014 edition. What did the Metacritic reviewers have to say about the remake? Well, WJS from February 2015 says, this film looks great and is quite well acted. In fact, it's far superior to the original in almost every way, except (laughs) it lacks any sense of humor or satire, which really made the original stand out. Which I agree with. I agree with parts of this. I don't think it's the best acting movie, but I do think that what this lacked and what the 87 version does have that I agree with you guys is the um, the satire part of it. That really, and the humor and the satire, I mean, the satire part really added to it. It just, when they did it, it was just too campy for me. But you there know, was humor in the remake. It just wasn't very good. Right, no, yeah. Was yeah. there? There it, were jokes. There were there jokes. There little things here and there, but not, yeah. Oh, the only part that made me laugh was Samuel Jackson at the end when he said, you know, mother effer shit or yeah. something like that. That was yeah. the funniest part. I was like, yay, he did it. Wait, uh, WJS has more to say. Yes, he does. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> also, the language and violence have really been toned down, which makes this version seem sanitized. 
which is what we we talked about that part too. So you know, WJS, I guess you know his his review is is kind of on. You know, there's some stuff in there that that uh, he's couldn't be more wrong. He said it's better than the in original in every way, in almost it's, every way. Yeah, that is as, that part, which I'm saying he's spot on. It's he got it. I think incorrect. <laughs> this might be this might be Jim's review. <laughs> I will say that the next review has the best name so far of all the guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> And literally, I picked it for the name. I don't even know what he said about brilliant. it. Brilliant. It's a brilliant it. name. Dirt Chili <laughs> from February 12, 2014 for the 2014 version, which he probably watched it and then wrote the review right away because I think this is when the movie came out. I think it was the day <laughs> um, Definitely not a rehash of the old RoboCop story. Good action flick, but in no way a classic. Action was good. Acting was okay. Had a good time watching it, but nothing really sticks with you. And I think that kind of Fair. sums up, I think that kind of does sum up, especially for you guys, what you guys felt about the movie. It feels That's like right. it was a good movie. It wasn't like the classic. It's not going to stick with you. You're and, chilly. Uh, you're it. chilly. Might be. Um... The only way I would have had a good time watching this is if I was also watching the other Robocock on my phone at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I think for you sure. really need to write a review. I want to meet Dirt Chili, though. I want to find that person that made that name up. Yeah, he's got stories, I can tell. <laughs> Pretty clear from the beginning how we all felt about this film. Jim was the outlier, but that's cool. That's great, actually. Yeah, I really enjoyed, I think this is the first time we've watched a set of films that we had different opinions on. I like that even better. Me too. And the, the end credits for the remake is a Clash track which I just thought was, and I like The Clash, don't get me yeah. wrong, but it's like, oh, let's throw in a, a freaking rock track when, it, <laughs> when the original had that cool orchestra. They did play the, the theme in the remake here and there, I think, but. The special effects, like at the time, were super duper cool. The sound was great. The only thing that bothered me at the end when Ronnie Cox falls out of the window and he <laughs> looks like a Play-Doh guy with, and his arms were, Amber Wright, they were way too big. He looked like he could have been a cor- a, a condor <laughs> and flown himself down to safety. The special yes. effects were not as nuanced as they are today. But how but much? How many times do you watch CGI and it's like, oh, it's so yeah. lame. I don't mind the tactile. It's it. kind of like I love watching the original Star Wars movies with with the puppetry. The live. practical effects are great. I just love it. It just feels feels weighty to me. It feels grounded in reality somehow, even though it's a I just remembered something. Uh, they filmed RoboCop 2, uh, the sequel to the 1987 version, in Houston. And I actually went to the set. Uh, they were filming downtown. And we got to see them blow up cars and stuff. I just remembered that. Awesome. How did you I know. Oh, my God. How could you have gone through it and watched both of these movies? <laughs> And this comes to you right now. <laughs> I just remembered. I, was, I, I did a I made a lot of questionable choices, you guys, in my twenties and thirties. <laughs> I thought that this movie was filming and Ronnie Cox came over to your high school. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out all that and he stuff really was did have really long like, arms. <laughs> I can't believe I just remembered that. Oh, oh it was hilarious. We got to see him walk down the the stairs and they blew up a car. I mean, it was exciting. I can't believe that I forgot about that. That sounds incredibly exciting and memorable. So I- It's a good thing we put it at the end of this podcast. Oh, my lucky. <laughs> we'll tease it. We'll tease it in the episode description. Yeah, right, we'll Find right. out what, what, what Steve remembers at the end of the episode. I have a lot of foggy memories from those days. Give me a break, man. Jeez. 
that's about it for this episode, guys. Look for Steve's work on episodes of the new true crime series, Heist, coming to Netflix. Revisit your favorite vintage episodes of Zach's podcast, So Fast, So Furious, and tune in to his YouTube series, Metal School, that explores his fascination with 80s rock. And if you wonder why you're so thirsty for a Pepsi or you want to go buy a new Lexus, it's because Jim is in your head. Right. Just go with it. Just go with if it. If you love RoboCop night 2014, Jim is also <laughs> yes, it's responsible for that marketing. <laughs> uh, catch season one episodes of Stillwater on Apple TV from directed by yours truly and set your laser guns to watch. May 31st, the premiere of Housebroken on Fox, starring Lisa Boudreaux, where I directed episodes of that. Nice. Awesome. We don't know what our next marquee matchup is, but stay tuned, because you guys will know soon enough. (laughs) That's correct. And we'll be back soon. Will we? And maybe not. We're going to have a to be continued on the end. TBD. Yes. Like like the end of Back to the Future. Exactly. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) joining us we'll see you next time bye bye have a great night (laughs) i'll buy that for a dollar (laughs) sound effects courtesy of the soundly app go to getsoundly.com for your complete sound effect platform Intro and outro music for this episode is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. Hear more like this on Incompetech.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us a review if you feel like it. Shoot us an email at filmfightpodcast at gmail.com if there's a matchup you'd like to see. And that's it for this week. Catch us next time for another episode of the Film Fight Podcast.